0: We're going to study today a sicha from the Rebbe on the subject of Tazriah and Mitzorah. And I believe that when we learn today's talk, we'll really, really get to appreciate, to understand the Rebbe's urgency on the subject of Mashiach and how to Perceive the concept and how to live the concept of Mashiach, and we'll get to realize that the entire empowerment of the subject of Mashiach is in today's double parsha, specifically when it's a double parsha. We're also going to see, and I think we could, this will relate to the theme of this year's Hebrew Day. Today is the 28th of Nisan, and in 1991, the Rebbe dropped a. Uh, a bomb on everybody, we could maybe say, uh, unexpected uh, you know, message that the Rebbe spoke uh, a talk and he said that clearly everything that he has done throughout the years has been all one big waste of time. He said, use the words, vilarik, you know, the words that we say in Elena, we in like nothingness. He felt like everything he does is just, it has, had no point because the whole goal of everything we do is in order to bring Mashiach, I was soon going to see. And at that time, he felt like we still don't have Mashiach and the, the problems of the world are still increasing. The darkness is getting darker. So what else could we do for to bring Mashiach? And he said that I have done everything that I can possibly do and now I'm giving it over to everybody. That's a very heavy statement. We always, you know, felt the Rebbe was part of this with us and we threw it more, more on him than on us. And here he says clearly that he's giving it all to us to, to do. He said we should do it in ways to bring Mashiach in a way that's going to be like in such a wild undertaking. Like the expression he used was the the Kabbalistic terminology should be done in iris to Toyu, which means the lights from the world of Toyu, which has no limitation. But he said even that it should be contained in the vessels of Tikkun, which means it should be done in a way that the world can handle it. So we should do wild things, but at the same time, it should be a way that the world can handle it. I would say ever since then, the subject of Mashiach became much, much more engraved in the hearts of every Jew around the world and outside the Jewish world as well. We're also going to gonna answer the question that I had a number of years ago. A kid had a bar mitzvah on this week's parsha, Tazriah Mitzorah. And his mother called me. She said, "I looked up the uh, the topic of the subject of this parsha, and I I started to cry." She says, "She says it's the worst parsha of the whole Torah." I said, "Why would you say that?" She said, "The whole parsha is that talks about leprosy and this kind of plague of leprosy, uh, all different kinds of leprosies, and that's the week my son has to have his bar mitzvah parsha." So I explained to her in, in a nutshell, we're going to learn this a little bit, you know, uh, take it apart properly, is that actually the subject of Mashiach is actually the key point and the hope and the belief, the positive feel, is all in this week's double portion. So let's go through this this uh, this talk together and I believe that we will all together get to see this, th- this beauty. So... Always, when it's a non-leap year in the Hebrew calendar, it, it turns out the way this calendar and the schedules are, that we have a double Parsha. And we read this week, the Parsha of Tazria and the Parsha of Metzorah. Now, simply understood, we're going to go through what's the difference of the theme of each Parsha. The general theme is, it talks about different kinds of leprosy conditions that could Come to a person, and we're going to see the three different kinds of uh, uh, effects that could happen and where these leprosy marks would or disease would be found on a person or your clothes or on your house. And we also talk about how to, how to, how to identify these diseases and also how the ramifications of their spiritual impurity and also how to become pure from it. That's the, the gist of the two parishes, But as we have always learned, the Rebbe takes things very, very literally as they are. And the words of Torah is every word and the use of word must be telling us tremendous amounts. So in the portions of Tazria and the way they are in most years and all the years that are non-leap years... They are always read together, these two portions. Now, when two portions are put together, there must be that there's a connection between these two portions and that's why they're read together. So he says the connection is quite simple. In Parsha, Tazria, in the first Parsha, speaks about this leprosy condition that comes on a person, on your body. Another kind of condition could come on your clothes. You could actually see Blotches of marks and or colors appear on your clothes. And a third kind is in the second parsha of Mitzorah, which is Nige Batim, Nega, effects of this condition could show up on the walls of your house. And even more in parsha Mitsora is actually the parsha Matsora, the second parsha is actually the conclusion and the end of the first parsha tazria in other words in all the parsha mezora all the laws of this mezorik condition that's mentioned in the first parsha of tazria its conclusion is in the second parsha mezora so the connection between the theme of these two parshas is quite easy to understand What's difficult to understand is the name of the Parsha. The name, the use that we use for each week's Parsha is fundamental. So we have to understand the name use of these Parshas. We've already discussed many times that the name of a Parsha is not just like like a siman, uh, a sign, like to identify something. Oh, my bar mitzvah parsha was so and so. It's not just to, to to have like a name to know which book or which chapter to go to, to as an identification. The words of the beginning of a parsha, which is used to differentiate one parsha from another one. It's not just that you have a name to do that to differentiate one partial another, each one has to have a name, but every single name actually has within it a deep meaning. A point, the significance of the whole partial lies in the use of words that we name the entire partial. As you will see right here, that in partial tazriya. Which is what we're reading now. So if you were to look in the Parsha Tezria. The beginning of the Parsha reads. And. God. Spoke to Moses saying. Speak to the children of Israel. Saying. That a woman. Who conceives. And gives birth to a male child. And we go on with the laws. Now. If you want to tell me a word to differentiate one parsha and another parsha, you could have. Okay, we're not going to use the first verse because you have that thousands of times in the Torah. And God spoke to Moses saying, "But okay, the next verse, the, the first unusual word, not un, the uncommon use of word, is a woman. You should have called the parsha that. The parsha shouldn't be called Isha. Instead, what are you calling it? Two words further, Tazria, Tazria, which means." Like from, from from the word seed, some, a seed that's you know developing, so it's conceivement for a woman. Why are you calling it with that name, Tezriya? It must mean the fact that you're not calling the parsha with the name Isha, right? Which is the word before or the first uncommon word. If you only want to be able to differentiate one parsha or the other, means to say that the word Tezriya was specifically chosen as the name of the whole parsha because there's something in that word that we have to understand. So now we have to understand what is the connection between the word Tazria to the general Parsha. The general Parsha, which is majority of the Parsha, is not about the first few verses of the Parsha. It's all about conditions of leprosy. The first few verses is about the birth, when a woman gives birth, how many days is she impure until she becomes pure and so on. And then you, you segue into all the laws about Leprosy, but one second, if majority of the Parsha is about this leprosy condition thing, why do you call the whole Parsha with the name Tazria? Aren't you supposed to use a name that contains in it the the, the most biggest themes of the whole Parsha? And more than that is also, that's question one. The next question is, not just does the word Tazria have no connection to the theme of Leprosy conditions, the truth is, the word tazria is the opposite of what it means, leprosy. What does it mean when you say uh, conceiving? When you say a woman conceives and she gives birth to a son or a girl, we go through those subjects, right? That means it's all about life. It's about the woman bringing life into this world, new life. But the word nega, negoyim, which is this skin this condition, actually is the opposite of life. The Talmud says that a person who has this condition of metzorah, of leprosy, is actually considered to be as if they're dead. That means that their impurity condition is so bad that they're considered to be like a dead person. A dead person also carries a heavy load of impurity. So what we're saying is that mitzvah is actually the opposite of tazria. Tazria means life. It's all about bringing life. And Mitzorah is to- the total opposite. So we have to understand, why are we using the word tazria here? And more is not understood regarding the name of the Parsha, Mitzorah, the second Parsha. In the parsha, Mitzorah actually does not talk about the Mitzorah as a person that is a And The opposite. It speaks about the way you purify yourself from the condition of Mitzorah. But it's not telling you about the condition. It's talking about how to purify, get out of it. How you can get back into the camp of the Jews. Get back in from quarantine. And bring your offerings and so on in the temple. So why is the whole Parsha called Mitzorah? Mitzorah means you have a condition of this leprosy condition. If the whole port of the Parsha is how to become pure from it. It shouldn't be called with the name of the disease. Call it with the name of the medicine. Or the healing process. The purifying process. Why the name Mitzorah? Now it's true. That. In this Parsha Mitzorah, it speaks about this leprosy condition that comes on houses. The way it appears when you see it on houses. But it's not so simple. First of all, when you say this condition of this leprosy is on the walls of a house... In simple terms, it's not referring to the Metsuira person. It's talking about the condition on the walls. And even more so, when you speak about the condition of this leprosy on the walls of the houses, just so we should understand, the stress is not about the condition itself. Actually, Rashi tells us a fascinating thing. It's unbelievably beautiful. Rashi tells us that this condition, when it says, Nige Batim, it says, I'm going to place this. Leprosy condition on the walls. Actually, when you see it on the walls of your house, what happened was an unbelievable miracle started to appear. A person that saw this in the house, what did you have to do? You had to break the walls of your house. But since we had just came into the land of Israel and we took over the land of Israel from the Amorites, the the Amorim people, they used to hide their gold and silver and valuables in the walls of their houses. So years later, when we took over their houses, we, if leprosy came on your walls, the only way to take care of that, you had to break the wall of your house. And all of a sudden, you got to see what the Amorim left for you hiding in their houses. So what happens? Through getting this condition on your wall, you actually got this unbelievable treasure revealed to you. So comes out, that there was a positive thing out of this whole metzora business when it was on your house in the second Parsha. But the word metzora itself on the opposite, like Rashi says, and the way the Talmud brings down that the person who has this metzora condition is actually a negative thing. It's actually as a punishment to you that you got it. Because it says that getting leprosy condition was a sign that you were connected with, I, with gossip talk, Lashon Hara, it came as a result of talking Lashon Hara, bad talk like that. So, seemingly, the word Mitzvah is a bad thing associated with something bad. But the other hand, the things that are discussed in the Parsha Mitzvah are not so bad. It's the condition of the walls which led to this revelation of this miracle for a person. So why are we calling the whole parsha with the name Mitsorah? If it's not so if only the word Mitsurah is bad, but the whole parsha is not about all these negativity things. So why is the whole parsha called Mitsorah? Even more we have to understand, here comes the final question here, is actually when it comes to the naming the Parsha, if you look historically throughout the generations of the last 3,334 years, you're gonna see that Jewish custom actually had. Two different names for the Parsha. In later generations, meaning the last six, seven hundred years, Jews always called the Parsha the Mitzorah. It's brought down in the Torah, in the Shulchan Aruch. They use the name Mitzorah. But if you go back further in history and you go back to around a thousand years ago, 900 years ago, the Rasad, the Ravsad Yagoin, Rashi, and the Rambam, they called this parsha zot Tia, so shall it be. they didn't call the name with that tough word mitsara, you know the mitsara well, nobody wants to be called the mitsara. who wants why do you call the Parsha mitsara? So what's the reason what's the logic for the difference that some of the sages in the earlier, earlier, earlier great sages, they Torah scholars, they called the name of the Parsha zostiia and the later it changed to be calling it with the name metzora what's the difference why the difference so to to summarize the questions he wants to know why is parsha tazria called parsha tazria if only the first few verses are talking about the word tazria which means to conceive and have a family bring life in the world and the other hand the rest of the parsha talks all about the conditions of leprosies, so why are you calling that Parsha Tazriya? and the second Parsha Metzora. Metzora is a negative word seemingly, it's a word that speaks all about the negative condition, and the Parsha itself doesn't really talk about that negative, it talks about it whether it's on your house, which could be for a blessing to find the Emmerim's wealth in the walls or in general that talks about getting purified from this condition, so why do we call it with the name of the disease says the Rebbe like this that we could possibly explain it with the following introduction. One of the foundations of faith, the, the foundation of faith, is the, the belief in Judaism, the, one of the fundamental points of faith is to believe in the subject of reward and punishment. As the Rambam himself puts it, that one of the, that the, the foundation Number 11, the Rambam says in his commentary on the Mishnayis, he says that God is given reward to those that do the mitzvahs of the Torah and punishment to those that disobey it. And the reward is so great in the world to come and the punishments are so great, it could even bring excision. A person's life could be cut in half as the Rambam explains in great length in his big set of Rambam which we need to emphasize today that this year we're finishing the entire set of Rambam this Shabbos and we're starting from new again this coming Sunday. So as many people in our community have already undertaken to start learning the Rambam every day from this coming Sunday. So we're going to learn now today a few things. And by Divine providence, this Sicha is going to cover the final chapter of something from the Rambam also, which we're going to soon see. So in the laws of Teshuvah from the Rambam, he speaks about reward and punishment. And he says the following. He says the Torah is Torah's chesed. It's the Torah of kindness. It's understood from this that even the punishments of the Torah are not for the purpose of punishment itself, God forbid. God would never Look to hurt a person. That's not the intention. When God gives a punishment. God forbid to say. That Hashem is doing it. Ah, I want to get you back. I want to hurt you. Chas <laughs> to say that. God forbid. What's the purpose. That Hashem gives punishment. So he's, the purpose is. Punishment is in order to fix something. It's to correct something. To make something better. As the sages told us. That when a person. Deserves. To get. Um, a a punishment let's say of where a person dies at an earlier age or if a person deserves to get whippings so it says that a person could sometimes get whippings instead of getting punished to die earlier meaning that the whippings the physical punishment in this world could actually save you from many heartaches in the next world or even in this world so too by the punishment, that's by the way, dying young is a punishment to a person in Hashem. But even the death penalties that were associated with the courts, the Beth and the Sanhedrin used to have death penalties in the time of temple. So even those deaths, this, the sages teach us regarding the story of Achin. We all know the story in Achin, it's in the book of Joshua that uh, when when we were when we had to conquer this first city in Israel, the city of Jericho, so Joshua gave a rule that nobody's allowed to save any of the booty that you're going to find from the cities that we conquer. They're not ours. They're not, you're not allowed to keep it and take it home. But there was a man Achin that he went and he took many of the spoils of of the war when we conquered Urichay, and he took it home for him discreetly. But discreetly only works between you and your friend, not between you and Hashem. And the next many battles that the Jews had with Joshua leading it, we kept on losing people. We even lost around 3,000 people at one point. So there was this terrible story. And finally, through the uh, breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, Hashem said, which tribe it was in that one of the tribes had a man who stole, took the took the stuff, and eventually they went to Achin. They found it by him. They had to burn, but eventually he dies. Right. So the sages tell us in tractate of Talmud of Sanhedrin, it says that Achin, which means that, uh, which is like the downtrod, the the negativity that happened to Achin on this day, to make you Achin, to make you disgusting here in this world, that you had to die. Well, this way it prevented you that you won't be disgusting in the world to come. So you see, this is just another example from the story of Achin, that when a person gets punished in this world, it's a cleansing process. Hashem doesn't punish us to hurt us. He punishes us to cleanse ourselves. I always like to like like to use the example of uh, you ever come into you see somebody on their house or on the porches and they take their rug and it's full of dirty and people came in muddy and you take the rug to outside to your bricks and you whap the living daylights out of that rug against the wall or on the railing. Nebach, what did that rug do to you? Why are you beating up the rug? But what happens is when you beat it up and you shake it hard and you bang it hard, all the dust and the dirt falls out. So sometimes that's what he's talking about here. That God doesn't, God forbid, make something hard for a person. He makes us, he wants us to teach us a lesson. He wants to cleanse us from some issue. And that's why he does this. So, however, Rebbe's pointing out that many punishments in the Torah, we actually don't see in a revealed way the goodness that comes to the person, at least not in this world. We know, we believe this. That's the Rambam's point. It's one of the fundamental beliefs that Hashem is all about kindness, and the Torah is called the Torah's and It's all kind because even when there's a punishment, it's there for your goodness. But even though you don't always see that, it's good, good to. But that's we have to have that faith. That's why you need faith. If you would see it, you wouldn't need the faith for it, right? However, when it comes to the subject of the leprosy condition, we see in a revealed way you could see, and as we're soon going to bring down the Rambam's articulates, the beauty of what you see when a person gets punished with leprosy, it's totally understood that all punishments in the Torah are the same way viewed like the punishment of this leprosy condition. The Rambam says in the end of his section of laws called the impurity of tzaras, of this leprosy. Says the Rambam like this, the, the um, discoloring on clothes or on your house that the Torah calls a tzaras, is, this is done, this discoloring, the changing of color is something that happens by a sign and a wonder from God. And it's not from the normal things, the way things work in this world. It's Hashem saying, I'm going to do a miracle for you. I'm going to show you this discoloring. This blotch of skin is going to change colors. Or the color of your garment is going to change colors. So the point of it is that Hashem does this miracle to warn us not to talk Lashon Hara. Because the person who talks Lashon Hara, even... The walls of your house will start to change colors. So don't think nobody's home. I can say what I want. Don't even talk Lashon Hara in the four walls of your house. And says, concludes the Rambam. If you return from this behavior, your house will become purified. If you stay in your wicked ways, your entire house will start changing colors. The flesh of your, of your skin, of everything in your house will start changing colors. Until you have to burn it or something like that to your clothes, but if you repent, you you go you return from these bad ways of behavior, it will all purify, and it will be known to and if you stay in the bad way, it will all be known to everybody until this condition will continue and continue until you stop these conversations with other people. In, in conversations of with evil people that talk like this and the people that are scoffers and they laugh at everything and talk Lashon Hara. So what's the point of all this? That Hashem makes a specific change in this physical world in order to warn us not to talk Lashon Hara. And therefore the order is that Hashem starts everything slowly. First, He makes a changing in the walls of your house. After that, in, on your clothes. In order to elevate us slowly by truly. To, so it starts with a smaller message. If you don't get the message when you see it on your wall, you're going to soon have it on your clothes and then on your skin. So get the message. And even the condition of the Mitzorah itself, it says that you have to separate from other people. You actually have to go quarantine yourself if you have... Mitzvahah condition. You should separate yourself and go go sit outside of the camps for the one purpose of goal that it should affect on you. You should have nobody to talk to and have any conversations about Lashon Har. So again, what's the whole point of the mitzora that Hashem brings on a person, it's in order to help us not to talk Lashon Hara. So in other words, the point is that the punishment is there to help us from this conditional problem, condition problem. Now from here, we're going to understand why the Parsha is called Tazria. We said before, what's the subject of Tazria means? Conceiving, bringing new life into this world. Like when you plant vegetables, fruits, what happens after you plant it and seed it? Things start to sprout out. So same thing, of course, with the humans. And this is the point of the leprosy in the Parsha of Tazria: The condition itself and the isolation that you have to go through, like mentioned in Mitzorah, have to be known to you alone. That it's not a punishment. It is a helpful tool. There are details in how to correct ourselves from this condition. That you should be able to have a new life. And not have any connection with those people that talk Lashon Hara. So the point of the whole, the whole leprosy condition is in order to get new life for the individual and so when we call the whole parsha Tazria, now we understand it. It's not just because the first words of the parsha is talking about what happens the impurity levels for a woman and she has to go to the mikvah, she has to uh, bring us an offering to Hashem. It's because the whole parsha is actually talking about new life, giving a new life to a person. And since the whole purpose of the Torah is to teach us lessons, it's understood that from the parsha of Nigayim of leprosy, there's a lesson for all the punishments of the Torah. That all the punishments in the entire Torah are all there for one person. For one purpose. To fix up the person. That you should get into the right path. You fall off the path, you get a zetz. Get back in path. That's basically what it is. I, why do you have to show me this specifically by the mitzora punishment? You could teach me this lesson from various other places too. Uh. He says, look, remember before we said that a person who gets this mitzora condition, you're considered to be as if you're a dead person. So we want to take the most severe condition that a person could have to the point that you're called a dead person and teach us that if, if over there the punishment is, that you have to be isolated and be all alone, which we all know being alone, loneliness Is from the worst punishments you could do to a person. It's from the worst punishments to be isolated alone. We're not talking about just 2023 when you're isolated with a phone and FaceTime and who knows what. But in the time of real isolation, where you have nothing, so if it's if the lesson is there that it's there to help you to get away from people who you're always going to talk lashon hara, let's put you in isolation then we understand if that's the lesson there, it could be, the, we could learn this lesson to everywhere else, any other punishment of to the Torah. And that's what we learn, that the entire thing is a tazria. It's to be, in order to become a new living person. Now, the Rebbe says you could find an interesting novelty here in the subject of halacha too, from this. The laws of Mitzorah is that as long as a person is a Mitzorah, we said before, you have to be isolated, quarantined outside of the Jewish camps. Now, you could explain this in two ways. We're going to see in a moment what it means, These the, the camps. What, what does that mean in a second? But we could explain this in two ways. Either because you're so impure that we don't want you to be in the camps. We don't want you to be in the camp area where the Kohens dwell. We don't want you to be in the camp areas where the Levites dwell. And we don't even want you to be in the camp areas where the Israelites dwell. So we actually going to isolate you to quarantine from outside all three camps of the Jewish people. Now when we traveled in the desert, this law already was applying then, we had to go outside from the Kohen area which is the area where the tent of meeting was where God spoke to Moses. We had to go out from the Court areas with the Levites, they stood right around the altars. We had to go out of the areas where all 12 tribes stood around the ark. That means we had to go quite far. When we came into the land of Israel, especially when we were in the land of in, in Jerusalem, so the, the, the highest area is the temple itself. And the courtyards of the temple itself. The Levites area is the entire temple mount. You had to go out of that court er area as well. And then you had to go away even outside where all the Israelites lived of Jerusalem. That means you had to go totally out of Jerusalem. That's how far out you had to go. You were literally sitting alone for quite a while. So now, if you're going to say... Let's analyze this. If you're going to say... That the whole reason why you have to go outside this all three camps is because you're impure. and We don't want you to affect other people that are impure. We don't want you to be in in, in this vicinity because you're now an impure and a contagious, in a contagious position. That means as long as we have these camps, you cannot be inside these camps. Or do you say that the condition has to do with the Mitzorah person himself? And it's not connected with your impurity. It just has to do, we don't want you to be with other people that are also impure. What you're going to have from this is you're going to have two two scenarios. You're going to have, as we learned by a Mitzorah, that he has two categories. One is a general impurity that falls upon him. And as the verse says in Parsha Nasso, it says, send them outside the camp. V'chol nefesh. Anybody that has leprosy or other impure issues, you ha- and anybody that's impure in general, send them out of the camp. And the reason is so you don't contaminate anybody else that's with you in your camp that means the condition it's your condition the disease the impurity that's on you but then we have another point that says that you have to sit isolate in isolation that means the matura has its own subject it's not just not enough to be with other people who have who are also impure you actually have to be alone that means you could divide these whether you say it's The mitzvah can't be with other impures or he has to be alone. We could divide this in many different ways. But just in short, he says like this, if for some reason there is no camps of the Jewish people, for some reason we don't have camps, let's say after the temples were destroyed, the Jews were scattered around the world, if there's no camps, do you need to follow the law of send the person out of the camp? There's no camps. Where are you going to send them out of? In other words, the negative point that you can't be in this camp, doesn't exist here. It will only exist if you have the camps. So if there's no camps, you have no, You don't have to send this leprosy guy out. However, if you say that he has to be alone, it's a positive instruction, go sit and be alone, then it has nothing to do when there's no camps, if no camps exist. Even if there's no camps exist, you have to go be alone. So in other words, the law, to tell this leper person that he has to go sit alone is disqualifies the issue of being around other people that are impure. It's all about just going go to be alone. So it will not make a difference if there's camps in existence or not. Now, the Rebbe t- takes us now to another level about this mitzora person. He says, if it's so, if the subject is so harsh, with the person that's the Mitsara person. And according to Allah, like we just say. That this is a warning from God. To stop talking Lashon Hara. And. If you continue to talk Lashon Hara. It's going to change. The skin. And you're going to have these itchings. And everything on your skin. And therefore you have to go sit alone. To heal up because if you're going to heal from stopping to talk to the evil, other evil people, it will heal you too. Says the Rebbe that we find, like in everything that we learn, and much more so, we find the point in a much deeper and brighter way, really, in the, in the internal studies of the Torah. In other words, if you go into the Hasidus part of Torah, you get to see and learn this in a whole nother light. It's explained. The Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, he has those two sets of books on the weekly parsha. The first book is called Torah, or the second volume is called the Kutu Torah. The reason why the name is changed from the first volume to the second volume is because after the first volume was published, Russia banned all Jewish printing presses from printing Jewish books, and this went on for a couple decades. And the, finally, when the they Took off the ban that you were able to publish Jewish books again. So at that time they had to they were allowed to print, but continue the second volume, but they had to do it under another name, so it shouldn't sound like continuation of the one that was printed right before the, this decree came in. So, anyways, in the second volume called the Kutta Torah, over there on Parsha Tezria, says the Alter Rebbe something fascinating. He says that in the Chumash it says Adam. It says Adam, what does it mean? Adam, man. Man, a person, a human, a man who has a skin condition that shows up on your skin. Now, says the author, we all know and we learned about this in great length in a previous class that the Torah uses four different names for a human being. We have Adam, Geber, Enosh, and Ish. Right? We have four different names for a man. But when the Torah uses one name for man over another name, there's a reason for it. The highest name for man is Adam. Okay? So when it uses the word Adam here, and it says the man, Adam, who has this blotch condition on his skin, says the Alter Rebbe, that we're using the highest quality of a Jew, Adam, is because we're talking about a person that's on a very, very high level. You're on a spiritual high level. You're actually considered to be a perfected person, a perfect person. And the reason for this is because this skin blotch condition comes where on your body, only on the exterior part of your body, on your skin. That teaches you that this person is so perfect in his relationship with Hashem. It's just that somewhere in an external level, it's like the external level of your garments that got dirty. We all know, we learned in Tanya, that you have elements of your body that's your essence and you have elements of your body that's called garments. Just like the human, in the physical sense, you have your body and your clothes as your garments. You have spiritual garments. What are the spiritual garments? Chapter 4 of Tanya, we spoke about in Lent. It's the thoughts, speech, and action that's called your garments. The reason why they're called garments, explains in Tanya, because it's easier, it's easy, just like your shirt. You can take it off and on easily. If it gets dirty, you take it off, put on a clean one. So to these garments, it's easy to change If I'm thinking something negative, the moment you realize you shouldn't be thinking about it, you stop the thinking and you start thinking positive. So it's easy to change it. So to the same to with speech. You realize that you're talking something you shouldn't be talking. Boom, stop, control yourself and don't continue. So those are called garments. So here we're talking about an Adam. Adam is the highest level of the four people. Either you call a person with Adam or you could call a person Ish. You can call a person, as we said, Enosh, right? Gavir, different words. So Adam is the highest in order to teach us something very unique here by this subject of Mitzahara. We're talking about a perfect spiritual person. In the essence, you're a perfect person. It's just that on your external parts of you, on your garments, there's something missing and that's why this condition only touches your skin. This blotch of condition doesn't go inside to your internal organs because internally, we're talking about somebody that's perfect. And the Altairbus says, now you understand why this condition doesn't exist nowadays. You know why? Because we don't have perfect people anymore. We don't have a person that's perfect on the inside. It's just somewhere on his garments. It's a little schmutzig. We don't have that. So this wondrous, miraculous way, you don't you're not gonna find that now. It's only going to be by a person who's perfect. This is an amazing thing that Hasidus could reveal us. This kind of information. Now we understand why the subject of the negoyim of this leopard condition is explained in the parsha of Tazria. Tazriya again, Tazria means... Conceiving, bringing new life to this world. Not just in the beginning of Pashtunas, so you have the physical sense, but even in the spiritual sense, start a new life. Because this miraculous kindness of Hashem, to bring these conditions on the external part of a person, just to show you, you know, you're missing a little bit. You got to become a little bit better. Just that tidbit of dirt is hanging on you. That's why all these laws are not Pasha Tazria to allude to the idea that it's all about getting your fresh new life. Now we're going to understand why the second parsha is called Metzora. You remember we asked before, why is the whole parsha called with the name leprosy if the whole idea of Metzora is all about the purity laws? And we said the whole idea of Mitzorah, you can break down the wall, you're going to find this emirium emir wealth in there. And we have the other question, why the sages over the generations changed it from one name to another name. But let's start with this. Why is the second parsha called Metzora, Even though it doesn't really speak about the, the, the essence of the impurity, it speaks about how to get pure. Because as we just said, getting pure is the medicine. It's the healing for this person. So in other words, it's a continuation to the subject of what is your condition in Tazria. To the subject of matsura now let's purify it. So it's actually connected the two. The first parsha tells you what is it, this condition that you see. And then the second parsha tells you how to get out, how to really find a new life. So in other words, it's emphasized only after Tazriah. You can actually see that now when I planted the seeds, the sprouting out is the Parsha Matsura Explaining me the difficulties, that's in the first parsha. And the outcome of it is in the second partial. Or you could put it in, other, in a different way, he points out. The outcome, the effect of partial mitsura is that it makes a person in actuality pure. This could happen only after through after you went through the process of getting this metzora on a person. Because in other words, the spiritual healment comes through the fact that you had to go in isolation. And that's why the Parsha is not called, we don't call the second Parsha the day of purity, which would be able to identify the Parsha in a way of what happens when you come pure. We want to call the Parsha with the name Metzora leprosy because that brings out more of what is the real Metzora. The real Mitzahir is only on the Adam, the person that's called Adam. It's only on the person that's perfect. That person gets to see the miracle. So when you see the word Mitzahir, what do you see? You see negativity, you see leprosy, or you see ah, purity. Miracle here. This person is in isolation. Why? Because he saw a miracle of this condition on his skin or wherever else. So it's the perfectionist le- person that going through this so when you see the word mitzvah instead of seeing the negativity and saying I don't want my kid to have a bar mitzvah on that on the opposite you'll say wow I am so lucky because this is the level of perfection as we pointed out from the Lekut Torah that's why the Torah uses the word Adam it's the level of an Adam person the highest level person Now, if it's so, by an individual person, says the Rebbe, it's going to be the same message for the entire Jewish world. The entire Jewish world is suffering a Mitzorah kind of concept to teach us that while we're in exile, while the Jews are in exile, we are actually isolated. We're quarantined from the holy places And we're outside the camps. What is the job of a person in the time of exile? What is the job of a Jew? You have to have first tazria. You have to plant. You have to seed. Because only by working hard planting and seeding can you get to the sprouting and growth that comes after. In other words, only through the work, as the author says in Tanya chapter 36, 37, only through your work in the time of exile, in the entire length of the exile, that will cause the reward of our mitzvahs with the coming of Mashiach and the resurrection of the dead. So the subject of Mashiach is not a separate subject of the exile. It's actually the The growth of our labor. So when you plant something and you want to see growth, the growth is not separate from your labor of the planting. So the planting is the time of exiles. Right now, when we do work and we learn Torah and do mitzvahs, we are planting the seeds for Mashiach. Called smicha. We say it in davening. It's semach, David, Avducha. You use the word semach which means smicha, the, out, the, the sprouting out of the ground. So it's actually, as Dr. Rebbe says the word in Tanya, he says tolui, the outcome with Mashiach is talui. It's dependent on our work that we do now. So that's the lesson of the names of the Parsha, Tezria, Mitzorah, both of them together in the service of every Jew. A Jew could learn Torah and do mitzvahs because I'm supposed to do it. Because this is what Hashem said to do. But then you could say to yourself in your mind, it makes no difference in what I'm doing. I'm going to do the right thing. But what I'm doing is not really affecting anything. You may say this in your mind. You may say this to yourself. I'll do what Hashem asks. No problem. I'm going to learn. I'll go to class. I'll go to school. I'll daven. I'll learn. No problem. I'll do all my things. But does it really make any difference? Here comes the lesson. That all our work in the time of exile, you actually need to feel that this is the planting of seeds for the sprouting out that's going to happen with the revelation of Mashiach. Don't think what you're doing now is, is no, there's no results. You're planting seeds for this sprouting out of Mashiach. And therefore, the revelations that's going to happen from with, with Mashiach is not a separate thing of what I'm doing. It's actually the outcome of our work of the Tazria and the Mitzorah job that we're doing now. Now this is connected in both Parshas so powerfully. By the way, just to a little bit, uh, uh, you know, remind ourselves, this Sicha was said in in a little bit in 1981 and and also a big chunk of it in 1982. For those that were around those days, remember, that the acronym of the words for Tavshin Membez, 1982, was Tehesh Nas Bias Mashiach, the year of the coming of Mashiach. So the theme was all about Mashiach, so it's it's rings in your ears, the subject. So the Rebbe is pointing this out to us here. This is connection to the time of exile, which is Tazriah, the planting of the seeds, and the coming of Mashiach, which is Metzorah. As we said before, Metzorah means the perfect person. He's the Adam person, the highest level name of a person, the perfection level. It's just that a little bit on your outside garments got shmutzit. And this could be on two levels, or on many ways, actually. Even though every Jew is a believer in the coming of Mashiach and we are waiting every single day for his arrival, which that is one of the fundamental laws of faith. In faith is to feel and wait, await his arrival every single day. And this faith is actually by every single Jew equally. But it could be a difference. And there could be a difference in how much Your learning Torah and doing mitzvahs is connected with your service of Hashem. In other words, it's possible to learn Torah and do mitzvahs knowing that this is a seed. That I'm planting the seeds that this is going to bring Mashiach. Listen to this calculation. He says, it's possible that you're going to learn Torah and do mitzvahs with the knowledge that this is all planting seeds for the coming of Mashiach. But to my practice, it's not going to make a difference. In other words, you say to yourself, I know that I'm learning Torah and it's going to bring Mashiach. But that's not why I'm learning Torah. I'm learning Torah because I enjoy it. It's a mitzvah. It's beautiful. But are you doing it because I want this to sprout out the outcome? Number two. You, a person could say, "I don't even care if the redemption will come at a later time. What do I care? Let it come in another time when I'm going to have the parsha mitzvah read on a year where it's not even connected to Tazria, the seeding and the sprouting. Let it have it on a year where it's not connected." And a person may even say to himself, "God forbid, let Moshiach come next generation. I don't really care. Doesn't have to really happen today. I'm, I could be satisfied with just learning Torah and doing a mitzvah. I'm planting the seed. Do I care when it's going to sprout out? Do I really care? You could say a person could say to themselves." That, do I really care? Let me do the Tazria. Who needs to have the Metzorah? The Metzorah is all about the level of perfection, which represents the level of Mashiach. Who's, why do I need to have that? Let the, the, the generation, whenever Mashiach's gonna come, well, let it come whenever it's gonna come. Here we have the lesson that a majority of years we actually read Tazriah and together. And there's a major rule in the Torah that anything that happens, majority, that rules and that becomes the law. So even though there are some years where you don't read Tazria and Mitzvah together, since most years you do read it together, that's a lesson that they're actually fundamentally connected. That means you have to have them connected all the time that when you learn Torah and do Mitzras, it must be with the intention Tazria, this planting the seeds is for the Mitzvah. the outcome. It must be they're connected. So my entire service in this world and way it must be connected with the yearning every single day that it should happen. And since I was, we were all created to serve Hashem, this is the job of every single day to feel this. Now it's possible that this alone could be in two different ways. Number one, you may say, ah, okay, I get it. I have to plan for the coming of Mashiach. Fine, I get it. But it could be in a way, it's going to happen. It th- you don't have to, maybe you don't have to feel the urgency that it, it's got to happen now, and I, it could be even at a level that I wait and and I I yearn it every single day. One day, for the one day, let it happen one day. But it could be seen as a separate thing, and. Maybe i will even bring Mashiach closer by a moment, as we know the statement, if you merit it, will come closer. You can even have it on a higher level that you feel the metzorah level when it's connected that I really, really feel it and I feel it every single day that my planting is not just something that's going to cause it to happen, but that the revelation has to happen and connected one thing with my work. It's not two separate things. So the concept of Mashiach that's going to happen is actually the conclusion of the whole Torah. As we have many sayings like this, the Talmud says, Teiku, when they have a question, when they don't know the answer to Talmud, it says which means Elio and Navi, Mashiach is going to come and he'll give us the answer. Mashiach will come and be Megala, the time the Torah, the reasons of the Torah. He will come and teach everybody the Torah. And as the Rambam says in the conclusion of his entire book of the Rambam, The Rambam's second to the last chapter, he says, the king Mashiach will soon get up and he will return the kingdom of David back to the way it was in Yor. To his early rulership. And he's going to build the temple, gather together all the Jews from all across the world, all around the world. He's going to bring everybody back, all the rules. All the rules of the Torah. We're going to be able to bring sacrifices again. We're going to have the years of the sabbatical years and the jubilee years again. All the mitzvahs of the Torah. And as it's explained elsewhere in a sikha that we also once learned a very famous Mashiach subject, sikha, the Rebbe gave it out by hand to whoever was there in New York that day, whoever managed to get in, he gave out that whole sikha there that here you see that the entire purpose of Mashiach, according to the Rambam, is all in order to have back all the laws of the Torah that we'll be able to do all of them. Today we're very limited. That's why the Rambam said he's going to bring back, Mashiach's going to bring back the kingdom of David to the way it was with all the rules of the Torah. And all this is going to be in a real way. And since the desire of the Torah is going to be in the most perfected, complete way, this is going to also bring the completion that you're going to have comfort from all governments around the world. We're going to be able to learn Torah without being disturbed as the Rambam brings out more. When Mashiach comes at that time, there won't be any hunger, there won't be any war, there won't be any jealousy, the etc., etc. Et there won't be problems with money and so on. He says the entire world will want one thing, to gain the knowledge in Hashem. And that's what it means, faith in the coming of Mashiach, the waiting for Mashiach, as the Rambam continues as well in that same chapter. Learning turn and doing mitzvahs has to be you have to be infatuated with the faith that this itself will be in a complete way, the Torah and everything, mitzvahs, will be in a way that will be complete when Mashiach comes. And with this, by the way, he concludes with this unbelievable thing. Now we'll understand why in earlier generations they called the Parsha Zostia. And only the later generations, the last five, six hundred years, We call the Parsha Mitzorah. Why did Jews change the use of the name of the Parsha? Do we have nothing better to do with our life than to argue about everything? Obviously, we're not talking about people that like to argue. We're talking about people that are, they're swimming in Torah. Their life is completely drowned in everything that has to do with God. So in the earlier generations... When they were farther away from the days of Mashiach's arrival. They couldn't see it that it was something that was going to happen any day soon. So they said, the name of the Pasha is Zayistia. It's going to happen. But it wasn't like an immediate urgency. Because it wasn't something that was going to happen tomorrow. Or in, in, the, in the immediate distance. So, therefore, they didn't live every day with that same feeling that their mitzvahs is going to be the, bring the completion of the whole purpose of the whole world. But when the generations went on and we got closer to the days as we call it, Ikfusa, the Mashiach, it's the heel of the Messianic era. We're now like at the bottom of everything. We're, we're right there. We're walking, uh, you know, on the heels of, of, of Mashiach's days. Now, we digest this much differently, much different. And therefore, the name of the Parsha is actually expressed with this name now, Mitzayra. As we said before, when you see the name Mitzayra, what do you see? You don't see what some people see. You see the truth. Mitzayra means a perfect person who's perfect. He's a person at the level of Adam. The essence is completely devoted to Hashem. As a matter of fact, Hashem loves him so much, he's so perfect that if he has a little bit of dirt on his garment, Hashem right away throws a miracle on him and says, oh, careful, careful. Stay away from the people talking, watch yourself. And it's obvious that nowadays, even if you don't see it, the expression is mazlayu chazi. Your mazel sees it, your soul sees it. So the way we live today is atot at kumt mashiach. It's at at happening mashiach, and therefore hamaiso iker The action is the most most important thing, and we have to add an increase in our Torah mitzus. The world needs to get to its perfection what sooner, in the highest levels, and with this we can understand one more point of the subject that makes it even so much sweeter for our generations now that the name of the parsha is called Mitzorah. When you said Adam, you said only on his external gar- garments get it. The entire Jewish people actually, let's think about this. We are living in a world that Jews are so pure. So pure. You find a person today, They on the surface, you look at a person, they can be so, so living in a world where you don't see any Yiddishkeit. It could be true. But every day, call over such a Jew and say to them, I would like to say a blessing with you. Listen to the way they say those words of a bracha. Look how pure. So we're living in a day, really, if you think about it, that the entire Jewish people are like that. That we are in a perfect level. It's just that, a little bit of schmutz. The, 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 buttons, as the expression is, the buttons could be a little bit dirty. And by the way, he says, not just by the way, he says, now you can understand the famous stories in the Talmud about the days of Mashiach. You know the story with Elijah, with, with Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi? He was learning. He had a, a learning session with Elijah the prophet. Every day he went into a certain hiding place, Elijah would appear and that was his chavrusah. Not a bad chavrusah. One day, he tells Eliyahu Anavi, he grabs him by the collar and he says, Eliyahu, I'm not letting you go until you tell me when's Mashiach coming. So Eliyahu, he says, where's Mashiach? Eliyahu says, listen, calm down, calm down, calm down. He says, Mashiach is sitting amongst the afflicted people that are sitting in pain and suffering. And as Rashi says, Mashiach is there with those people that have leprosy. And as a matter of fact, Mashiach himself has this skin condition on him. That's what the Talmud says. And as the Talmud goes in to elaborate, it says, what's the name of Mashiach? And it says, according to the and the sages say, his name is the white, some kind of white condition color he has, which is these white blotches of this leprosy. And that's the name of, of Mashiach. It says, Rashi, that Mitzorah was his name. Now that's quite strong. Says the Rebbe, how could it be that Mashiach should be called with the name Mitzayra? If you're going to say Mashiach suffers oh, together with the sufferers, okay, that I can understand. As Rashi brings down the famous verse from Isaiah 53, you know the famous Isaiah 53 that's always quoted? Well, learn that chapter from Isaiah from here, from the Sicha. In that chapter over there, it says, Isaiah 53, it says, The who mechulo mipashe'enu he carries our pains. What does it mean he carries our pains? He feels our pains. But why do we use the name Negoim leprosy with Mashiach? If that's, is that a negative or is it a positive? But based on what we said till now, leprosy condition is actually the positive. It's not the leprosy condition. It's the perfection of him that the only place that you can see it is on that little bit of an external garment. And therefore, since we're holding now at the level of zahu we merit, we're now going to fly on the skies. As we know the other story in that Talmud there, it says that Rabbi Yishol and Levi asked Eliyahu, one day he said, when he found Mashiach there, amongst the, 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 the stragglers there, with that skin condition, he came to him and he said, Mashiach, when are you coming already? And Mashiach answered him, Hayoyim, today. Wow. You can only imagine. I bet you Rabbi Yishol ben Levi didn't want a daven mincha. He probably wanted a daven with Mashiach. Mashiach said, he's coming today. No, would you not want to wait in daven for him? But the, you know, it's getting darker and darker and darker, and eventually the sun goes down, and he comes back the next day and he finds him. Lo and behold, he sees Eliyahu there and he says, Hello. Eliyahu, you told me you're coming. Hayyim. What? Mashiach, you said you're coming today. So Mashiach says, Yes. Hayyim. I thought you were a learned scholar. Hayyim is only the first word of the verse, Hayyim is the whole verse. Hayoim today if you listen to my voice. And we know that the Torah, you're never supposed to take the Torah out of context. Always is the context that you have to stick to the to the literal translation. So it does not mean Hayahim today to take it out of the literal context. It actually means today we are in a situation that we are zachu, we merit for his Mashiach, and it's appropriate and fitting for Mashiach to come. But you could explain it—that you could explain that this, when Mashiach didn't come yet today, is because we're missing something in the listening to his voice, something in the externalism we still have to do, especially in our days that Jews listen and feel that Mashiach is standing right behind the doors. He needs a acher It says in Shir Hashir. and more than that, it says that Mashiach is standing by the other side of the wall and he's looking through the windows and the cracks. And he's looking, and he's saying, "The only thing you have left to do is, is some kind of little tiny jobs." To put in the kneplach was the expression from the previous rebbe. Just polish the buttons on your suit. That's the last thing that has to be done. To finish the last bit of purifying stuff. And this will bring Mashiach in the level that we will merit. We are going to, we will go on the clouds, as it says. When you merit, we're going to have, not have to go by donkey, with the white donkey. We're going to go flying on the clouds. And it's going to be a way of Ahi Mashiach will come even earlier than it's time. And as we know, we're all merit, because it says, we're all like righteous people. And he quotes the verse, another verse from Isaiah, from Haishaya, where it says over there, I Planted into the ground, and it's Haboyim Yashish Yaakov. The the blessing from Jacob comes up from there, rooted out, and we're going to have the sprouting out of of Israel in a way that it will fill the entire world. And this should be in a way a b'karav mamish. Right now, it should all be. So with this, we conclude this sicha of Parsha Tazria and Metzora from Volume Twenty Two in the Lakuta Sichas.